And this is the View of the Valleys podcast, season three, episode 10, with TJ Hoover and Chris Smith. TJ, how's the week going for you? Fantastic. A big slate of games this week. Really excited. And, uh, you know, we're just, like I say every week, we're just that much closer to the conference tournaments. Kind of the pinnacle of it all. Yeah, we're not far away. Uh, each each Thursday and Saturday that goes by, well, for me on the OVC side, mm-hmm. I get that much more excited for yeah. for the tournament. And, I mean, I, I go back and look. You know, some people are like, oh, you know, the OVC, they're ranked 29th and out of conferences. Yeah, I don't care. I mean, right. for the most, the majority of my life I've been following, right. they were middle of the pack. And I, I think what I'm starting to appreciate even more about the two conferences is how many players, except for a couple teams, how many players are staying there for three, four, and yeah. now five years with COVID, you know. Um, obviously, on the Missouri Valley side, you look at Missouri State, who's had a complete turnover of the roster. But then even at Indiana State, you know, Coach Schertz has brought those guys in, and a lot of them have, have stayed, you know. Uh, Cooper Nice has been there, which feels like forever. You know, my son was looking at something last week, and he goes, Dad, Roman Penn has been at Drake for 114 years. <laughs> and the kid started out at Siena before he even got to Drake. <laughs> So I like that. I think it makes it easier to connect with your team. And I think, you know, rumor is that the NBA is going to eliminate the when you're removed from high school rule. And maybe that will help. And I think it will open up opportunities for more kids, too. That may actually, you know, allow some kids that would have played at the mid-major level to open up more high-major scholarships. There's a player at Tennessee State, Diedrich Boyd, um, who – Kind of the same thing you just said. Um, feels like he's been been in the league forever. But if you look, he's he's kind of been back and forth. So he's at Tennessee State right now. Um, he was at Illinois State prior, I believe. Let me check on that. Yeah, Illinois State prior, and he started his career in 2017. Uh I believe for Eastern Kentucky. Wow. So he went from the OVC to the MVC back to the OVC, unless I'm missing a school in there. Mm-hmm. Now, Eastern Kentucky, 2017, Illinois State for two years, and then Tennessee State. In his first year at Eastern Kentucky, he started 20 of 24 games and then only started four of 50-plus at Illinois State. Do you ever keep tabs on the schools that have left, besides Belmont and Murray State, but the schools mm-hmm. that have left yeah. the OVC? Do you privately cheer for them or wish them death by a million paper cuts? I cheer for them. Do you? Okay. But I think I think I cheer for them more, just um, especially since we got to talk with uh, A.W. Hamilton, mm-hmm. Eastern Kentucky, okay. and uh, – Coach Harper at uh, Jacksonville State. Okay. So I've been, you know, I've been following them, rooting for them. Um, never really got to talk to anybody from Austin P. So mm-hmm. I mean, I follow them, but I'd say I root for those two over Austin P. A lot more. Let's see. I think we've talked about this before. There was a deep, deep kind of, uh, I say, hatred for the Wichita State fan base and the rest of the Missouri Valley. 
I think it just got to the point where I felt they were a bit over the top. And I think the way Loyola came in, and I mean, we're all happy that our schools are got, getting the money from those schools going to the Final Four. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. We'll take their money. Oh, sure. But, you know, I don't, I know they went to overtime last night at Dayton, but seeing that Loyola was one and seven in league play did not keep me up at night. That was not something that was like, oh, poor guys. Now, but do you think, do you think people like Wichita State more now since Greg Marshall's gone? that were in the Missouri Valley or you think the hatred's the same? How do you mean you think people like MVC fans still despise Wichita state because Greg Marshall's like, is it maintained? Yeah. I you, think so. You think it's yeah, I think level? they could come back and it's still be like, Oh, here we go. You know, especially now where you don't have the, you know, kind of the, the prestige that they were bringing to the league. You know, they brought ice to the league. Oh yeah. You know, and they always had a good fan turnout in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. They're a good fan turnout, and that there were lots of them. I'll, I'll I'll say that was the good part. Sit near one for four days and get back to me. Hi, <laughs> no, I heard you talk about other fan bases while you were at the at the games there. Maybe, but not to not with the kind of no. I think I think more or less the passion. knowledge standpoint. Yeah. For some. Yeah. Yeah, I did hear a kid ask an Indiana... I say kid, 20-something-year-old guy. Ask an Indiana State player. The year Wichita State was undefeated. Go, you guys played uh, Wichita State this year? And the Indiana State player was like, yeah, we played them twice. How'd you do against them? We lost. Me and my buddy are looking at each other because this conversation's going on behind us. The kid asking the questions, he and his buddy leave, and I turn to the player from Indiana State. I was like, did he really ask you how you guys did against Wichita State? At Wichita State? He goes, yeah, like they ain't undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a chance to talk to Coach Lansing about that sometime later. <laughs> I forget the player's name now. I was like, he, I mean, he played it cool. It's like, no, we lost to him twice. Like, just like, yeah, the other team hasn't lost yet. Well, there you the smart aleck and it kicks in like, well, they're 32 and oh, what do you think? <laughs> oh man. Well, looking back from this past week, TJ, um, or even looking ahead, um, looking at the standings for the Missouri Valley, um, Evansville this week, this past week. Gosh, those guys got to get a win at some point. Lost to Valpo 81, 69. And lost a close one to Belmont at home by nine. Okay, you're you're zero twelve right now, TJ. Do you see a game on the rest of the schedule? Does Evansville get that win? Is it a game you're that they're I, not going to anywhere they, close? They still play Illinois Chicago twice, and I think they can get one of those. Okay, actually, when I did my picks, I had them winning both of them. But really, I. I and again, I go through it and really just kind of gut instinct. I try not to overanalyze it. And if it's a toss-up, I might pick the home team. But I feel like we get a really competitive Evansville. Like you said, they lose to Belmont by nine. But then the Valparaiso game in the first half, they really weren't competitive until Bob goes off for 22 points against Valparaiso. You know, but he's outdone by Ben Cricky with 30 points and nine boy boards, <laughs> your player of the week for the MVC. So I th- they got to break through soon. I 
Coach Raglan seems like a real stand-up guy. You know, of course, of course on his bench, you know, Coach Wilson. Yep. We're both a big fan oh, of. Oh, yeah. I think it's got to happen. They're getting great support, too. Unbelievable that, you know, that this amount of support they're getting. And uh, we can sidebar and talk about Wyatt Wheeler's article about the the fan experience at Missouri State when we wrap up, too. Okay. He's, he's had some choice words. So, yeah, I mean, I think I'm really rooting for Evansville to get a win. And, it, of course, it helps that they don't play my Salukis anymore, so I don't have to worry about that <laughs> being the win. Like when they broke their big losing streak in conference play back during the COVID year, it's like, oh, yeah, this is a lot of fun to sit here and watch this game. I mean, you got to think if Evansville, I mean, yeah, good good fan turnout, a lot of support. Mm-hmm. It's a hell of a place to watch a game. I mean, the arena's outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a big fan. We were up there last year. I'm looking forward to going back. It's off campus too, right? Yeah. I'm not a big fan of off campus arenas. I mean, I understand why they're doing it, but and the, I think that makes it tougher to draw the student body. I could see that. Um, it wasn't too far away because mm-hmm. um, I know when Dad and I were up there. I think I think our hotel was maybe. 10 15 minutes away from from the arena and it's it's not hard to get back on the interstate from the, the arena's mm-hmm. located and then between the hotel and the arena was where the campus was mm-hmm. at so it wasn't too bad but outside of that TJ uh, what happened this past week in Missouri Valley that stood out to you thought there was going to be some separation with the top 2 in Southern Illinois and Belmont and they decided nah we really don't want to get too much separation here uh, Southern Illinois with a big win over Murray State. Uh, Murray, I mean, Southern Illinois opened up a 10-point lead in the second half. Murray State was started out the second half ice cold, but then rallied back, actually took the lead before Southern secured the 68-64 win, and Murray had several chances. Um, that's the game that got kind of chippy. I think we talked about that last week because we had uh, – done that so yep. i'll get past that since we've already talked about those games i apologize for that but you know wednesday bradley illinois state what they call the war on 74 uh you know had a a big game there bradley pulls away 77 66 but you know illinois state gave them everything they wanted and uh you know there were some people who thought there were some calls that went bradley's way late to kind of secure the game for them and Leon's with 16 points. And then Seneca Knight, who was a newcomer of the week for Illinois State, had 19 points. So two good performances out of him. Belmont uh, goes to Evansville and pulls out the 73-64 win. And I think right now, Ben Shepard really looks like he's your Larry Bird winner. I think he's the leader oh, yeah, right he's, now. He's really um, you know, Tucker DeVries has got to be in that conversation as well. Valpo takes Northern Iowa to overtime at Northern Iowa. And again, Ben Cricky with 22 points and Kobe King with 14 points and 12 boards for them, uh, for Valparaiso. And, you know, it was a, that was a heck of a game, too. On Saturday, you know, we talked about already the Evansville-Valparaiso game. Ben Cricky, again, with 30 points and nine boards. Bo was just, just unconscious. At one point, I think he was like six for 10 from three-point range. Holy cow. You know, I mean, right there's 18 points. I mean, just they – it was heat check every time he touched the ball. Uh, I think one of the big turning points could have been Indiana State pulling out the win against Northern Iowa. 
you know, they, they'd obviously struggled and Northern Iowa had a lead and Indiana State ended up coming back and winning that game. Uh, Duax, who I think is going to be one of your uh, freshmen of the year for Northern Iowa with 17 points. But uh, Cam Henry, 14 points, 12 boards, just a great effort. You know, you get pulling a double-double there. And then I thought a chance for Missouri State to kind of get things going, kind of keep things moving in the right direction after the win over Illinois, Chicago. Big win for Murray State. Yeah, it was. It was a big win. You know, Rob Perry with another 17 points. And, you know, it's just, I think it's kind of that, that, that hit or miss we see with Missouri State, kind of like with Evansville. Like, they play a really good game. They play some great defense, you know, in, in spurts. I think they're leading the league in home defense, uh, you know, and Bradley, Illinois, Chicago. Illinois, Chicago gave them all they wanted and, you know, kept it close the entire game. Duke Dean with 21 points for, for Bradley. And, uh, you know, then the, the big I think the big story of the week was – Drake winning at Belmont. They didn't win. They won pretty handily. Without Tucker DeVries. That's he, impressive. He uh, had apparently gone to the hospital with uh, an infection in or on his elbow on Tuesday and didn't get released until Sunday. Well, And you you win a game on the road by 18 points without your best player. It's hard you know, to do. You know, but. Roman Penn, 16 points, 7 assists. And then 19 points for Garrett starts as well. Ben Shepard puts up 21 in the losing effort. And then uh, Illinois State, they're not going away quietly. You know, they, they, I feel like they had control most of the game against Southern Illinois. Ended up being 72 66. I don't think it was that big of a, a difference because it was really tight late. Marcus Damask with a career high 32 points for the Salukis. And again, Seneca Knight with 24 points. So, you know, some really big performances this year in this last week, especially over the weekend. Well, looking at that Drake Belmont game, I mean, yeah, Drake wins without their best player, but we've seen it year in and year out. Belmont lives and dies by the three. Mm-hmm. Belmont shot 6% from three point range in that game. They were one of 16 and 43% from the foul line. So I, it, it's just a cold night, absolute yeah. cold night. Um, I mean, Drake wasn't, they only made four threes. They didn't attempt that many. Um, but when you go one of 16 from three-point range, that's that's tough to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more it's more shocking to see that it did happen at the at Belmont. Um, but yeah, your, uh, your Carbondale, Southern Illinois Salukis, that, that game really surprised me. Um, Illinois State, I know they've struggled a little bit this year. Um, did you see anything in that game that would have led you to believe that Illinois State would win, like, early on? They they hit shots early. And I think that was allowed them to build confidence, and it kind of became the Illinois State versus Southern Illinois excuse me, Illinois State versus Marcus Damask. Because Marcus had 19 and a half, I think, Jeez. of his 32. And, you know, I think uh, free throw shooting really hurt the Salukis at one point late. I think they were 3 for 10, while the Redbirds were like 14 of 15, 14 of 16, something of that nature. So, yeah, both of those really had an impact on them. 
Yeah, Illinois State shot 94% from the line. Yeah. Nearly 60% from three-point range. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like SIU's been playing with fire all year. Like, I don't know that I've seen them put together a good 40-minute game yet. But kind of their veteran leadership and, then you know, they're just their guys gutted out. I think if you look at it from the outside, going into that game, they were nine and two. Like, oh, they're pretty good, and they they are. They're, they're but they're and they're finding ways to win, which there's something to be set up for that. But I think if you watch them night in and night out, it's it's not good for your blood pressure if you're a Saluki <laughs> fan. That's what I've I so it's not mate. good for you. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> oh, boy. it has nothing to do with my weight or my diet. It's just the Salukis. <laughs> well, I mean, you got you got to find a you got to find a reasonable excuse. So others may not buy it, but. I don't, think, I don't think my does. doctor's going to be that like, <laughs> if all we had to do was discontinue your ESPN Plus subscription, we would have done it and <laughs> saved you money in the process. Oh. But on the OVC side, um, just just two dates, Thursday and Saturday. Um, Tennessee Tech, I uh, talked about it last week. I thought the game against SIUE, they'd get back on track and rebound game mm-hmm. from the game they opened up OVC play way back when. Um, 80-68, to 68, Tennessee Tech's offense keeps lighting it up. Jalen Seabury, double-double, 20 points, 11 rebounds. And SIUE only had 23 points at half. Yeah. I mean, 23. and I think what Taylor had, 14 of them, something like that. I remember looking at the box score. You know, Dewan Pruitt with another double-double for you, too going 12 and 12. Yeah, but Seabree had a heck of a week for Tennessee Tech. I know you see SIE play, you know, every home game. You don't you, know, you don't get to see him play on the road um, unless you're watching. I think SIE's got to get back on track here mm-hmm. at some point. They just have, to me, they just have too much energy and, and tenacity on defense, yeah. even though they gave up 80 against Tennessee Tech. Right. I think... It was kind of strange that they played Moorhead State twice within what two weeks. You know, like Yeah. I won't get off on another rant about schedules, but that seems tough. You know. I mean, but right Ray Sean Taylor, thirty points, mm-hmm. five steals. So a heck of a game for him. Uh Moorhead State took care of business against Little Rock, seventy six seventy two. Uh, Lindenwood and UT Martin. This was a game I was following. You, Lindenwood led it half by one. And I think at parts of the second half, they were up by six or seven, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I thought they were going to pull it out. And I thought that was a game UT Martin was going was gonna to drop at home, mm-hmm. who's been so good at home, now currently 12-1. and one, Right. With Lindenwood 2-11 and 11 on the road as yeah. of right now. Another great performance by KJ Simon, 16-10. Yeah. and 10. I mean the the one two punch they have there in Martin is is something to be be spoken of. Um, you know, we've t- talked about it before, um, but even then that was a game. Uh, UT Martin was shorthanded. Parker Stewart didn't play in it, so mm-hmm. you know maybe that's that's something that other schools in the air, in the conference are looking at. Maybe come OVC tournament time, hey, if if we can if we can eliminate. You know, Stewart. Now, I guess it's going to be hard to do that if both him and Simon are on the floor. But um, if one of them's out there and the other's not, it's going to be a lot easier to to narrow them down. Uh, Simo and Tennessee State. <laughs> Battle of the 
maybe <sighs> maybe the two best guards in the league. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But it did not look like it at the start of the game. Simo mm-hmm. got down big early. It was maybe six six minutes into the game, six seven minutes. I yeah, you know it's not that that much time has gone by, but six seven minutes, and I think it was sixteen to one. Simo was down sixteen to one. So to only score one point in about five or six minutes, it felt like felt longer than that. To put up ninety two points is pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, it just it clicked just like that. Junior Clay, a heck of a double double: twenty six points, fourteen assists, and seven rebounds. And then Philip Russell, thirty points, nine assists, right. and a steal. Yeah. Um, only twenty three pointers made in the game between the two. Um, but one of the key areas for Simo in that was their foul shooting. They've been abysmal here lately from the from the charity stripe, but. 20 and 26 for 77 percent is a step up for them over the last couple of weeks and i think it's worth noting the assist to turnover ratio for for both of them um, tennessee state 23 assists 16 turnovers and then semo 19 assists to nine turnovers so pretty good pretty good assist to turnover ratio there um, but outside of that um, Eastern Illinois fell at Southern Indiana, 78-74. Can we, can we talk about Jacob Polakovic? Yeah, you like talking about him every week. The dude averaged 16 points and 22 boards last week. That's not human. That's Dennis Rodman type stuff. I, I don't know how this guy didn't get recruited by bigger schools. I think when you look at him, he doesn't fit that prototypical division one big man i mean but, is i haven't got to see him play that much but is he just going out of his way to get rebounds or are they all just falling right to him he's working his tail like off. my god uh, he in my opinion he's working his tail off like just you know just has a nose for it you know how just sometimes you have those guys and he's kind of made it he's you know picking up his uh lunch pail and going to get those boards his last game where he didn't have double-digit rebounds was December 20th at Purdue-Fort Wayne. When's the last time he didn't have 20 rebounds? Uh, that would have been January 19th at Lindenwood. So two weeks he's gone. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I he, guess it's the last three games, really, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's had, he's had five games with over 20 rebounds. Unreal. Unreal. But then Jelani Simmons has 21 points to go along. I mean, so you have two guys who are 20 points. That that's usually a pretty good day, you know, and not to leave uh, Hafner out of it. You know, Cameron Hafner has you know, a good night of his own, but gets overshadowed by those two. And then looking ahead to Saturday, um, I know we mentioned it a second ago. SIUE, um, you mentioned playing Moorhead twice already. Um, big defensive game, fifty-five fifty. Um, I think that's what you would expect. Moorhead slows the pace down, and yep. and seeing SIU play, they they take a lot of pride on defense. Yeah. At one point in the second half, it was forty-one. SIUE was up forty-one thirty-one to see Moorhead State go on a twenty-four to nine run to end the game. I mean, they only scored thirty-one points, and then they scored twenty-four to end the game. You know. And Moorhead so, wasn't good from the foul line, only 62%. No, but they doubled. SIU still had their chances to win. I mean, I think that's when the film session was probably not a whole lot of fun on Sunday. Yeah. 
I mean, you got to like what you're getting out of Mark Freeman, though, from Moorhead State. Oh, for sure. Um, 28 points. Yeah. He seems to be up there week in and week out for for Moorhead State. Um, so Coach Spradlin's got to like what he's getting there. Um, but a game that really shocked me, uh, Little Rock oh, at Tennessee yeah. Tech. Comeback win. At Tennessee Tech, Little Rock's been, well, they've been awful on the road. That was their first road win, 91-89. Um, C.J. White, double-double, 13 points, 11 assists. Um, it's tough to make free throws on the road, 18-23. I mean, both teams shot over 50%. Just mm-hmm. a big offensive game, not much defense there. But, I mean, that's a game that I don't think anybody would have saw coming, especially being at Tennessee Tech. Right. Oh, I didn't see it coming. I, you know, I thought that was a game that Tennessee Tech was going to win. I think it's their first home loss in league play. And, you know, Little Rock's had their struggles. But, I mean, their kids had a heck of a day. SEMO at Eastern Illinois, 79-68. Another big game from Philip Russell, 19 That game was close throughout, too. It was. SEMO pulled away, I think, Mm -hmm. in the final five, six minutes. Um, It was a 10-point game at half, but I think it got down to about three or four points there for a while. I think so kind of tough when you're following three tvs at once so i think you need to add a fourth well there's reasons for that so <laughs> and then uh southern indiana um fell at ut martin overtime 86 83 i mean you know you can look at the other other day when sema played tennessee state with um with clay and russell but um jelani simmons and kj simon i mean that's that's a matchup in itself as well mm-hmm. um Simmons had 26 points, and Simon had 21, double-double there for him. Five block shots. But I th- I think from this past week to the week prior, um, maybe some some of the standings is starting to shake itself out. We, there was a six-way tie. Now it's a three-way tie for first. UT Martin, Moorhead, and SEMO at 7-3. and three. And then Southern Indiana... Tennessee Tech six and four and SIUE right in the middle at five and five, mm-hmm. so uh, it's 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 gonna be an interesting next couple of weeks month I guess right yep we have four weeks left one month left so and it's a short month at that yeah one of the great things about February hey we're only one month away and it's it's our favorite time of year absolutely so looking ahead to the uh, Missouri Valley this week TJ wh- what couple games are you looking forward to. I think a big game, I don't know if I'm looking forward to it after the loss at Illinois State, but a big game is Southern Illinois at Bradley. You know, um, is this going to be their opportunity to get them? Bradley's favored by six points uh, over under at 127. That might be an under game, you know, because both of those teams are known for their defense. Um, So that's that's one I think, that's the one that jumps out. And then the other one that jumps out is like must-see TV. I mean, Belmont versus Murray State. You got the old OVC rivals playing against each other at Murray. I'm looking forward where to that game. Murray's been really good other than their one loss to Southern Illinois. I think it's their only home loss this year. Belmont, how are they going to respond to that loss? I mean, it's a lines at one, according to ESPN, so that's a pick 'em. So, you know, how is Belmont going to react after that loss? And then the in state rivalry, Northern Iowa goes to Drake. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen if they're going to have Tucker DeVries back or not, but at this point, 
I don't, I, you can't be too worried about it. No. Not after they played as well as they did on the road. Now you're going to come home and play your in-state rival. Biggest game of the year for you. I mean, yeah, Belmont may have struggled. But think of the confidence boost that gave mm-hmm. the, the rest of the teams. Hey, we just won by 18 without our best player. Yeah. And Valparaiso playing at Missouri State. I think that could be a, a big game for Valparaiso. You know, and a big one for Missouri State as well. That Valparaiso's pl- playing well. They've won, I think, four of their last five. Missouri State struggling. Now, those four wins for Valparaiso are against the bottom four teams in the league. But they beat Illinois State, who just beat the top team in the league at Southern Illinois. So it it, it really – I don't think you can sleep on anybody in this league at this point. Now, granted, you're playing UIC or Evansville. You might. I should probably say that because they just haven't – between the two of them, they have one win. But even but then – Valparaiso is – you know, winning more games. Illinois Chicago is putting up fights in games. So, and, you know, like we just said, Illinois State, and they get to play UIC uh, on Wednesday. And, you know, that's a game where they, that's UIC's one win. So that's what I'm looking at for the Wednesday games this week, which puts my internet at a, at a real uh, maximum because all six games are Wednesday. Five start at seven, the sixth one starts at eight. So maybe you'll throw an iPad out there. Yeah, I'll probably get out my computer, something on my phone. ESPN Plus is like, this guy's getting his money's worth. You're darn right I am. So how do you justify which game you listen to? I understand Saluki's if I understand if they're playing. Saluki's first and then whatever I think the biggest game is. Okay. So like if SIU and if SIU what and Bradley weren't on TV today, I would start out with the Murray Belmont game. And then Northern Iowa Drake would flip over to the main screen at once that game was over. Okay. So I don't know Makes how I'm going to set it up. So then looking ahead to Saturday, Evansville's chance, I think. They're going to UIC. And then Murray State, Indiana State. That could be an interesting game to see if Indiana State's for real after that win. How does Murray State play on the road? And then Bradley, Northern Iowa is another big game, you know, because you know, some something to be said there for positioning within the league. So, you know, Northern Iowa's eight and four at home. Bradley's been mediocre on the road. And then Sunday, Missouri State comes back to Southern Illinois looking for vengeance after Southern Illinois pulled out that late win at Springfield a couple weeks ago. Is that a game you're gonna try and go to? I don't know. I haven't really thought about that one yet. It was kind of fun last Saturday. It was the first and last time all year that I got to watch all between the two leagues. I got to watch all parts of all 11 games because of the weekend. But I don't know. It might be something to think about. I wonder what my wife would think. <laughs> if we don't watch enough basketball, Jennifer, let's go. I'm sure it wouldn't be tough to twist her arm. Well, she's not that strong, so... What games are you looking forward to on the Ohio Valley side? But there's some good ones uh, on Thursday. Uh, UT Martin at SIUE. Um, is that a game SIUE gets back on track? UT Martin struggled on the road mm-hmm. here this year. And they're favored by six and a half, the Cougars are. I think that just goes to show you like how, I don't want to say how bad, but I mean, things just haven't gone UT Martin's way when mm-hmm. they're playing on the road. They beat SEMO, but SEMO was without Philip Russell. Um, but nonetheless, a road win there for UT Martin. 
Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing SIUE Rayshon Taylor, how he matches up with um, the one-two punch with UT Martin. Um, is SIUE able to slow down the Skyhawks' offense? Um, Tennessee Tech and Moorhead State, big game. Um, yeah, that, I, that one catches your eye, at least for me. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Tennessee Tech's able to maybe sneak sneak away with a, you think so? a win there. All right. Um, I think Moorhead does a pretty solid job. And Coach Spradlin will never be on the show again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Moorhead does a nice job um, protecting their home court. Uh, but the way Tennessee Tech has been been able to shoot the ball, I think if they're able to to speed up Moorhead on on offense just a little bit, um, I think that'll play into Tennessee Tech's hands because the way they've been able to shoot since that first week of OVC play, I mean, it's hard not to like what Tennessee Tech's been able to do on offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, Seabury's been great. Um, just just an all around, and Tennessee Tech's been without their center for. I think all of OVC play as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, Little Rock travels to SEMO, Tennessee State at Southern Indiana, and then Eastern Illinois at Lindenwood. Uh, Saturday, Saturday, a couple more big games. Uh, Moorhead State goes to Southern Indiana, depending on what happens for the Thursday game. Um, I mean, that could depend on some first place seating there. Um, SEMO goes to Tennessee Tech. Um, also, I mean, the Moorhead, the Moorhead and Tennessee Tech game Thursday has a lot has a lot to to decide so? with what happens Saturday. So in my, if know. Tennessee Tech can pull out a win at Moorhead State, do you think that negatively or positively impacts the performance of Southern Indiana at Southern Indiana come Saturday for Moorhead State? Yeah, do they play better because like, hey, we got to, you know. This happened, or oh gosh, that was just a fluke, and we're gonna go to Southern Indiana, this old D two school, and win. I think it'll, I think it'll pos- it'll be more positive than negative, um, because if you if you look at Southern Indiana, you know if they win at home on Thursday against Tennessee State, that put them at seven and four, and if Moorhead loses to Tennessee Tech, that would put them at seven and four, um, and I think, I think the way. The way it's been recently, I've talked about Moorhead State's defense. I would be, I'd be more confident in Moorhead State's defense to be able to slow down Southern Indiana. I think. Okay. Um, especially coming off of a loss, if they were to lose to Tennessee, even Tech. in Evansville. Yes. Okay. Yes. I think Coach Spradlin's just done a p- pretty solid job getting getting his players up and ready to go for big games like mm-hmm. that over the course of his time there. Uh, Tennessee State at Eastern Illinois, uh, UT Martin and Lindenwood, and then SIUE travels to Little Rock. I will say one area that I thought would maybe be better. I kind of expected Tennessee State to be more, more towards the top okay. um, at this point. You know, they're four and six. They're they're clearly not out of it. Um, top eight go to the tournament, and then anything's possible, especially mm-hmm. this year. Um, wide open, pretty balanced. But just seeing the guys that Tennessee State had back this year and with, with Junior Clay, I mean, they got some offense there. It's just they've been – they have trouble stopping stopping teams. Um, I mean, same could be said for SEMO. They're, they're up there in points allowed, but 
Mm-hmm. They've also scored the most points too. Yeah. But outside of that, TJ. So did you take a look at how you did how you did with your picks? I know I haven't seen them yet. I haven't uploaded them. But have you looked at how you've done with them, or is that something to say for down the road? Uh, yeah, I can tell you how I did. Were you going OVC side? Yeah. Okay. So the OVC side for the January 26th games had Moorhead State, Tennessee Tech, UT Martin, SEMO, USI. So I did go. You went 5-0. and I went 5-0. and Yeah, as did I. Okay. January 28th, I had SIUE. Tennessee State, Tennessee Tech, SEMO, UT Martin. So, what, three and two? Yeah, I went three and two as well. I missed the Tennessee Tech game, and I picked Southern Indiana over Tennessee Martin. Okay. So, so what, that's? Eight and two. Eight and two? Yep. Did you have picks for the MVC side, or did you? I did not have picks okay. for the MVC side. I went six and oh on Saturday, and then on the, I guess, excuse me, I went 6-0 and on Tuesday, Wednesday, wasn't it? In the mid-games, mid-week games. And then on Saturday, I went 4-2. and two. I got the, the two league leaders I had as getting wins, and they both lost. So I was wrong on the Drake-Belmont game and wrong on the Southern Illinois, Illinois State game. I don't think anyone can blame me on the Illinois State game. But maybe you could have seen Drake beating Belmont. But uh, if, if you were that good, I think you probably put good money on it anyway. Okay, so since I didn't pick the Missouri Valley last week, I'll give you I'll give you the Wednesday games. Okay. So I can put those out there. I'll go Murray State, Illinois State, Missouri State, Southern Illinois, Drake, and I'm gonna go I'm gonna throw a wild card in there. I'm gonna take Evansville. Evansville at home. Even though they're they're a pretty hefty underdog against Indiana State. I feel yeah. I feel like Indiana State lately has really fallen. Mm-hmm. You know, they got out to that great start. Maybe maybe, little, maybe this is an in-state an in-state maybe a little game. False hope after the uh, or you know too much. All right, we're back on track and yeah, it's, it's just Evansville come that we're gonna go play. Yeah, and it's in-state and you know just down the road. Really, I can't imagine it takes more than two hours to get there. No, I wouldn't think so. So yeah, so I'm going Evansville. I'm going to stick win. with Indiana State. I, I I picked Bradley over my Salukis. Since we did this last week, I had Belmont over Murray. That's a little bit tougher pick now. Drake to defend against Northern Iowa at home. Illinois State to get vengeance over Illinois Chicago. And Missouri State over Valparaiso. Although I don't feel great now about the Belmont-Murray pick. And like I said, as we as I went through the games, Valparaiso, Missouri State, I could see that getting flipped. But I missed the Belmont Murray pick. Who'd you have? Belmont. Belmont. Yeah. Like I said, I made that you know two weeks ago or before last week's games. At least okay. just went through. I just kind of want to because I always wonder when we see the pundits picking games. Like, well, how can both those teams go twelve and zero? You know. I think they're, you know, but I don't, I don't have the, I don't care enough to go check on it either. Like, you know, to see if it matches up as well. Yeah. So that's tough. So Wyatt Wheeler, friend of the show, beat writer for Missouri state, the, the news leader, I believe it's called in Springfield. Okay. Um, had some, 
scathing tweets about the environment at uh, what is now Great Southern Bank Arena and how quiet it is. How And I think everyone agrees the facility is almost too big because the cheaper seats are in their upper bowl and those people... And so when you watch on TV, it doesn't look good aesthetically because there are so many empty seats. And he even wrote an article. And in the article, he said, if I wasn't paid to go to Missouri State games, I don't think I would. Wow, that's that's saying a lot for someone that's there quite mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah. And they just had the Bass Pro Tournament of Champions where they had a bunch of you know top high school teams in the country. And he, he kind of talked about that too. Like, hey, we just had a great environment. You know, the place was rocking, and then the next Missouri State game, it's quite as a church. And I guess they even had students at their last home game who were honored at halftime. You know, some other student athletes and good GPA. You know, it's, that's a great thing. Oh, yeah. And after they shook hands with the athletic director, went back to their seats, grabbed their coats, and left. Jeez. So, you know, and then going into the comments of anything is always treacherous. Oh, yeah. It's like, do you do I want to read these? Right. Do I want to see how ignorant yeah. people are? And then sometimes I'm the guy in in the, the gif with the, the lawn chair that he pops open with the popcorn. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, I'm going to go see what they have to say. And I went in this time. And then once you go in, it's like you're, you're in it now. But there were people. I was a huge slew fan when I was in high school. Okay. And Charlie Spoonhour came and we had, you know, uh, locals playing for them and just going to the tournament every year. It felt like, well, Charlie Spoonhour came from what was then Southwest Missouri State. He left Southwest Missouri State, I believe, in 1992. So 30 years ago. People are in the comments like, yeah, well, we had Spoon here. Like, dude, these, there's probably some people on Ford's coaching staff that weren't alive, much less any of them that can remember when Charlie Spoonhour was sure. there. Like, it's like my generation having been upset, like, UCLA is not like they used to be. Remember when Coach Wooden was here? Like that's. I mean, that's. I mean, it's not far fetched because no, it's not. that was in the '60s. That was 30 years before I graduated high school. You know, it's just like I understand. Like, yeah, it was great, but you got to move on too. And I don't. I don't know what the answer is. That you watch, and you know, some schools. I look at SIU. I look at Murray State. You know, they've done a, a good job. I know SIU's had several things to get students there. And we talked about Evansville doing a great job. But then you look at other games, like, how do you get more people there? You know, I've 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 looked at that, too. Like being at some of the some of the games last couple of years, like like even going to. I guess it's just hit and miss, like you even go to like slew games mm-hmm. oh, one one day, it could be just packed. But yeah. then the next day, who it may be a better team there. It mm-hmm. just seems less it's it's less filled. Yeah. And I I learned this by looking into slu season tickets, and I think Wyatt mentioned something in his article, or somebody mentioned in the comments about the article that the prime seats, the season ticket holders, there's also the donation to the athletic fund. And I don't I think SIU SIU Carbondale does that for um football. Like if you make a donation to the Saluki Athletic Fund, then you, that comes with part of getting the okay. season tickets. Like you kind of have to do that for certain for the prime seats. Well, so now I have to pay for a ticket plus I'm donating a thousand dollars quote. I, I'm going to air quote 
donating because I have to do it in order to get those prime seats. Sure. I think that's what happens when you go to St. Louis U games. You look at those, what I call the black seats, those seats are empty. Heck, I, I would like to buy one, but I can't because they're sold. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's a valid, you know, that's a valid so then thing. aesthetically, it looks even worse. You know, and I, I, I think Belmont does a great job looking at their attendance numbers and then looking at how full it looks on TV. I th- when you look at it on TV, like, wow, they got a pretty good crowd. Then you look at their numbers, like, oh, that's not, a, not as good as that made me think it was. And I've noticed that, like, I've noticed that SIUE, whereas, like, SEMO, it doesn't say, like, maybe unless you're in, like, the first row where it says, like, reserved. But, like, at SIUE, I, underneath those chair backs, it says reserved, like, whole mm-hmm. whole line. And nobody's there all game. But if you try and sit in it, then the usher kicks you out. It's like, there, there's nobody here. Mm-hmm. Like, don't you want it to seem more filled? Yeah. I mean, I've not been kicked out because I haven't actually sat in those, but. Yeah, well, I had, a, I had a buddy of mine at SIUE. They were sitting in one section, and then his kids went and sat in the front row across the court. You know, they took up a whole front row. Like, well, more power to you. Yeah, no kidding. So. I don't know. I think, I don't know what the answer is. I think it's also pretty affordable to pay your ESPN plus subscription. Oh yeah. You're not fighting traffic. You're not paying for concessions. Nope. But you know, I've been to more SIUE games in the last 12 months than I probably had my entire life. Oh, sure. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But I think, you know, you have the time for it. It's you're getting quality basketball. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, with that, TJ, I think that kind of wraps up episode 10 here. You got any final thoughts? Or does that conclude your final thought segment? That, can, that was my final thought. I wanted to get that in there. I've, read, I've read that uh, quite a bit, and it was kind of interesting to see your, your beat writer kind of take you to task for that. Okay. I think in really the only other thing I saw, I saw where Lindenwood – women's basketball had to, I guess, postpone a game due to low player availability. Yeah, what was that about? I didn't look too much into it, but there was a, I think there was a school, was it Northwestern or was it whoever they played in men's basketball the other day? They had too many guys out or they had COVID or I forgot, something like that. So, I wonder how far in advance they had to let Eastern Illinois know that before they traveled down. Oh, that's a good point. Well, I mean, during during that COVID season, I mean, no one knew until yeah. Two, yeah. two minutes I, before. I was, I was working a Division Two game. During the women's game, they said there's not going to be a men's game. Like, didn't all those guys ride the bus? with? And at that level, I think they'll ride the bus together. Yeah. Like, didn't they all just ride a bus here together? And now we're... It's weird to think that that's uh, was it been like three years that that the season was two years ago. Two it was years, three but, years ago when we had COVID break. But that season of two years ago to think that wow, yeah, like there there were times like you'd be like, hoping to watch this game like well five minutes till game. I guess it still could get canceled within mm-hmm. five minutes yeah, because they were testing regularly. Yeah. Wow. Interesting where we where we've been and where we're at now. No kidding. But with that, that wraps up episode 10 here on View of the Valleys. For TJ Hoover, I am Chris Smith. Thanks for tuning in. 
Be sure to tune in next week for episode 11. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, and SoundCloud, and give us a follow on Twitter at ViewValleysPod. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a good one, everybody.